Welcome back to the show, everybody. I am here with an awesome guest. Her name is Lynn Thomas. She's the founder of Thomas Consulting. Uh, I love her tagline, Thomas Consulting wins. Uh, and she is also a COVID, re COVID re-engagement and resiliency expert. That's a little bit of a tongue twister there. And she helps companies reset and re-energize for the future, which is obviously very re relevant for now with COVID, but also in general, I was talking to Lynn before this, like she's gonna share really cool principles on just how business owners ideally do wanna operate where, and she's gonna get into the, the, the details of that, but I just wanna pre-frame that, but especially now with COVID, all the things going on, she has some really cool insights for business owners. Uh, Lynn's an experienced, accomplished, dynamic, energetic, and deeply caring leader. She's been committed to cultivating transform transformative leaders for over 30 years. She's worked with executives, managers, founders, organizations, and institutions to navigate change, rejuvenate culture, and exceed their potential in areas of business and beyond. Lynn, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here. Yes, thank you for uh, have, uh, being on the show. I'm excited to talk with you more. And why don't you start us off? Maybe give us your two minute uh, little story of how you got to become such an awesome expert at what you do. I know it's a hard challenge to take up. <laughs> sure. Um, just real quickly, I started as a um, tax attorney with Arthur Anderson, left there, went to Bank of Boston as a private banker, and then became a change agent and became very disenchanted with how the um, bank treated clients and employees. I sort of saw the, I'd say the dark underbelly of corporate America and yeah. um, they didn't even care if I knew that they didn't care. And the fact they really didn't care about customers or employees. And I saw real egregious examples of that to yeah. the point where some employees die. Um, I left because I didn't want to be part of it. So I set up my own firm saying, I'm determined to find a way that um, shareholders, employees and clients can win. Wow. And uh, it, it, it's possible, it, it's uncomfortable conversations. They're deeper conversations, they're different conversations. But I really think in this world where, we're, where we are with COVID and even looking in the future, we have to find more sustainable ways to, um, to be in business, be more inclusive in all areas and um, be willing to be uncomfortable. I think if people are really comfortable in their job, they're not growing. And the most dangerous thing I think in this day and age is for people not to grow. That the best thing you can offer your employees to stay or new employees is that you will help them um, increase their development, accelerate their own personal development, because a lot of it, you know, friends, colleagues, businesses, people are concerned, is my, am I going to be relevant, you know, two years from now, five years from now? I mean, nobody knows. Nobody knows six months from now yeah. you know, if, if who's going to be relevant. So the only thing you could do is stand that really leading edge of, they call it upskilling or development. And what do you need to, to go to the next level? And even though nobody knows what the level is, what is it that will keep you alive, vibrant, moving ahead, confident, um, empowered, engaged. It's all, it's about energy. It's about having the energy and moving forward. You're not gonna have the answers. Nobody knows what is going to happen, but the more, what, what's, what's been working with, with my clients is I have senior, senior level people, whatever size of the organization, do what we call deep listening. So um, really listen to other employees and especially those on the front line and companies are becoming flatter. And the frontline people, in my experience, have always had more of the answers than senior management. Um, they maybe haven't, don't know how to articulate it and senior management maybe can help them, 
but they know what the problems are with clients. They know what the issues are and um, let them speak and be curious. Like, why do you think that? And dig two or three or four levels. Dig down to, they say, well, if you change X, that would change the problem. You know, not the problem is we can't get our materials out fast enough. Okay, so how fast are we getting them out? Let's say a week, but they need them in two days. What would it take two days? We can't do it. Well, we can, what would it take? So have a discussion of quote the impossible because people say it's impossible. It's not, I mean, you know, the fact how quickly uh, the COVID vaccine was developed was impossible with less than a year. And even how quickly we all went to remote, you know, is, is possible overnight. People would have said, clients of mine said, you know, if we were asked to go for everyone to go remote, we'd still be in the pilot stage. Yeah. You know, it's true. It's like it forced us. So we all have massive untapped human potential. You know, on an average day, we're do, using 2% of our brain. On a day, we're pumping the ions 5%, and Einstein, man of the century, was 12%. You know, so I don't want anybody not who, does, who wants to, to not reach their potential. Um, and we all have so much untapped. And I, um, I'm somebody myself who I want to arrive at my grave, not in a nice, well-preserved body in really perfect shape, but sort of sliding with a bunch of smoke, be totally on empty and say, what a way to go. And so if you really care about people, and I mean your clients and your employees and your shareholders, and um, you want to find innovative, different, unconventional ways to Bring back stakeholders, you know, which were lost in the 1970s with all the hostile takeovers. Bring back stakeholders. There's multiple stakeholders. And the way it's run now where the shareholders are getting all of the increase in profits, it's not working. I mean, nobody would say it's working. It's not working for anybody. So um, I'm basically client retention expert, and that correlates very strongly with employee retention. And when you take care of your employees really, really well, you take care of the clients, they will really, really well. And there's many examples I can give, but um, you need to, most, um, most senior management or decision makers are not valuing as much as, I, as much as I usually do when I work with them, what their employees say. And um, you know, bring everyone be equal around the table and just talk about what do you think the future is gonna be like? Yeah. You know, two months from now, a year from now, three months from now, because nobody knows, but the more perspectives we have, the closer to maybe possibility we have and how much can we control? You could do you know, a SWOT analysis based on the company, on the industry, your departments, people. I mean, all, any type of analysis where people are digging deeper. You know, these are, there's no superficial answers to the future. You know, no. we're in VUCA moments, you know, and maybe some of you know, volatile, uncertain, um, uh, with, uh, conf- um, complicated and um, ambiguous. So. You have to make decisions without clear information. Yeah, you, know, you, you it's it's not going to be there, and things impact in different ways than we anticipate it. That's more or less going to be the future. There's no normal to go back to. I think we create a new 2021, and yep. how long that lasts, I don't even know how to measure it. I don't know, but it's getting in the game today, moving forward, making your mark making your steps forward, being very intentional when you bring people together, be very clear why you're spending time together. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's, I'll say, I think it's important people to come to the office, you know, one, two, maybe three days a week. If there's something for them to do, give them a reason to come in for collaborative. You know, if you do mind mapping, if you do brainstorming, coming up with ideas, 
that have been sitting out there that no one's maybe asked them. Or if you asked them, it's not been in a great environment, but offer them, you know, continental breakfast. I mean, wow them, delight them the first day they're back there, blow them away, have some fun. Everybody needs some fun, humor, you know, get a magician in, get a clown to come in. I mean, just do something off the wall to show, yeah, we don't know what the future looks like. Just play with it. Yeah. You got to treat your employees like they're your customers, right? You want to engage them. And I like what you said about creating an environment of growth where they're learning and they feel like they're being fulfilled and meeting their needs for growth as well. Right. And some of them will say, this is uncomfortable, or I don't know if I can do that. And all, I don't know if you can either, but I believe in you. Yeah. You know, and one thing I do really well is I help clients. I help clients and their, their employees to, to believe in themselves and what I've done for a long period of time is um, have the privilege of sitting in on management team meetings. And I'll see dynamics going around the table that some people are not, um, they, they can't see just because we all have blind spots. And as I point them out, you know, people will come around. There was one gentleman who was the attorney and also uh, the compliance officer. And when he would bring up, um, he was an introvert. When he would bring up points, two extroverts would usually shout him down. Um, and I said to him, I'll call him Harry. I said, Harry, come on. You know, they need your point of view. You, you, it comes up there, can put them out of business. I mean, SEC can put them out of business tomorrow. You need to speak up. If they yell at you, so what? Ask them to lower their voice or role play with me. I'll yell at you. You know, it's like, I don't think it's appropriate. It's not good. You can ask them to lower their voice, but your voice needs to be heard. You have a unique perspective. This is your fiduciary responsibility to this company that you point out anything that can get them into trouble. And you're the only person at this point. So it's not an option where I'm sitting for you to sit back and not and be timid or be concerned about if these two guys come at you. Um, so to, for him, and he loved it. He basically stood up. He said what he said. He said, please don't, you know, don't, don't yell at me and hear me out. And they got, they, the respect grew. He's grown. He's been invaluable. He's probably the second highest payest, second highest paid employee because he's brought in great value. But if he just had sat there and been quiet and that went on for like three years and nobody asked him to speak up. So something like that of encouraging the people in your management team or departments to speak up. You know, I, I know the extroverts dominate and that's um, that can be worked out, but everybody needs to be heard from. So. If someone's not speaking up, you could say, well, you know, Harry, we've heard from you. What about, what about you, um, Sally? And then um, what about you, Kim? And what about you, Bill? Now I want to hear from everybody around the table, everybody, because everybody has a point of view. And if there's one person that has a different point of view from everybody else, I always find the best is for everyone to be quiet and listen to that person deeply. They may have a grain of truth. They may not be 100% accurate, but there's a grain of truth in there. There's some wisdom in what they're saying. Mm -hmm. if they're around the table and they belong there. There's some wisdom and that's important to hear. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. It's really valuing people's contributions and like letting people speak and, and active listening, like you were saying, right? Listening as well. Yes. Now listening these days in these, in this day and age, it's more important to listen than to speak, I believe. And yeah, yeah. How, this might sound like a stupid, obvious question, but like, how can people become better listeners? Uh, how I've taught myself is I bite the inside of my cheeks. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I just, I just, I really do. Um, not hard, but I, if I think I'm going to um, 
say something that I don't want to say, or I, I'm, I'm anxious for somebody to say something. I just sit there and quiet. Mm. And it's, it's really, it's trusted. I mean, it was, a, it was a habit I had to learn because I would want to jump in and get things moving. And um, there's, there's value in, in there being silence and quiet and yeah. just let somebody speak. And, and, and silence and quiet is part of the process. Yep. For some people, that's really important. Honor what they need, the ingredients they need to come up with a recipe for success. And if people are always talking, some of those people don't get the, the time to be introspective or reflective or for things um, to work out inside them. Know that we're all different in many ways, being visual, auditory, kinesthetic. We're also different how we take in information, how we process it, the pace. So there's a whole variety of people. And yeah. um, it's cool when you do that, right? Because then you start to see like little gems bubble up if you create the space and the environment for that to happen. That's yeah, like on a sports team too, right? Sometimes there's some athletes that they just need certain things to like be like set up for them. And then they're like, whoa, who's this guy? Like, how's he or she so right. good at this, right? right. Yeah, they, they uh, don't look like the other ones. You yeah. know, they look a little different, but if everyone is coming up with the same ideas and it's done in a similar way, come up with some different ways to get ideas. And, yeah. you know, I, I find um, that I think everybody in an organization should come up with at least two idea, two new ideas a week. That's that's part of their job, everybody's job. I don't care what your job is. And a new idea is something that's not been done before or something yeah. you're improving upon. And in this day and age, innovation, especially because we've been remote, is not happening as quickly as it used to. A lot of social capital has declined because people have not been in contact with each other. So um, ideas are um, really, really powerful. I love that. Very cool. How can people, how do they, so easier said than done though, right? How do you actually create that environment where people do feel like they can have their voice heard and speak up a little bit, right? Like how, how do, how do you suggest to companies and business owners or executives to be able to do that? Well, uh, one is if somebody can more act like a facilitator, um, uh -huh. if there's somebody there who can do that, um, yeah. you can call me. Um, you can, there's other people like me out there. Yeah. Um, if you need someone, I mean, the best, the best meetings I know have a leader who runs the agenda and a facilitator who's looking at the dynamics, who's sharing, who's not sharing, who's taking on all the work afterwards. So then people start not being resentful. You want the teams to be balanced and you yeah. want someone else noticing. That's not always optional. And a lot of people don't like that, but it's imperative. People start, at least from my point of view, share differently. Um, maybe talk out loud. So create um, psychologically a safe space for people to really share, maybe stream of consciousness. And, um, and maybe it's just done with uh, two people. Maybe it's not everybody at the same time as you break off into small groups. You know, there's something called a two minute th think tank that I do that, okay, for two minutes, this is the problem. Everybody just write down for two minutes, the most ideas. You'll see the extroverts will come up with three. The introverts will come up with 20. Yeah. It's just, but if you never give those two minutes, you won't get those 20. And then you can go into pairs and then into groups of three and maybe four and depending how, then the best ideas are put up. And, you know, there's so many different ways of getting ideas. I know I shared with you a little bit before, I have a friend, Scott Jones, who did invent voicemail and um, he, he does 10 things uncomfortable every day. And if there's one thing I could want all your listeners to do is to do it. 
You said he, he invented voicemail. Yeah, I just want to make sure everybody heard that. Yeah. 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 Voicemail. Boston Technology was his company. Yep. He parlayed 20000 on a credit card to a quarter of a billion dollars in four years. And he did it on a dare. I mean, you know, he's a, he's a wonderful human being in, in all respects. But um, the bottom line is he did it on a dare. And um, so uh, what he does is he, he, he does 10 things uncomfortable every day. And um, so if you're going to work, even though our, our lives and routines have all been thrown in the air, um, do something, at least two or three things uncomfortable every day. It doesn't matter what area of your life, it'll show up in business because you want to get as many ingredients. You want to have as many new experiences, you know, do salsa dancing if you've never done it. Do, you know, I'm going to go to this yoga thing where they wrap you up somehow in downtown Boston and hang you there and you're supposed to be relaxed. Why not? I mean, it's an experience. I'll learn something new. And what I've learned by being around Scott is that he sees so much more. Walk, walk down the street and he will see three or four people that I never saw. Do you see that person who just went by with the purple tie? It's like, no, I didn't. And I'm so, and then tasting soup with him, he'll say, put your tongue on your palate, let it go. There's a little bit of coconut there, you know, because if you have to do for 20 years, 25 years, he's been doing a lot of uncomfortable things. He does a little bizarre things, but you know, twice a year he gets a new patent. You know, I don't think many of you probably have patents. And so he, um, he's always pushing himself. He's excited about what new people or situations or information or ideas he can come up with. And uh, he's just jazzed. It's not, um, you know, it's not work, it's fun. And um, for Scott, you know, um, he's, um, the other thing he does that I mentioned is every day he's got great discipline. Uh, whatever his biggest personal or professional problem is, he comes up with the 20 solutions. And I remember saying to him, why 20? He said, well, then if people come up, the first three, four, five, everyone's going to come up with. And um, after that, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, yeah, someone. But after 10, when you get to 15, you're getting really good. When you get to 15 to 20, he says, you're taking, you know, two or three parts of other ones and putting them together. And then that's the first time people will feel creative. Like, wow, I took this, you know, little number three, little number eight, little number 12, and I created number 16. That's pretty awesome. And well, what I said, Nane, is I don't, no one's ever pushed us to say, come up with 20 solutions. Yeah. We come up with one and we go, oh, great, I have a solution. It's like, and Scott would say, those people are dangerous. One solution is dangerous. That's not a good way to walk in, especially with COVID. Come up with, he said, not just 50 solutions. So, dig deep inside, push your creativity more than you've ever been pushed. And it should be uncomfortable. I want it to be uncomfortable. I want you to get into parts of you. You didn't even know existed. Mm. And I don't care what's there and just keep pushing until you find at least 20. And if you want to go further with your team, come up with 50 and you'll be amazed at what comes up. But it's the questions we ask. We say, well, let's come up with a solution. You'll find a solution. The chances of that being the best odds are probably mediocre. Yeah. in my opinion it's not going to be it's not going to be you know very good it's not going to be great it's not going to be like wow that was a game changer not worth a patent but you know so these are just some different tools that i've applied in my life and with my clients to, to sort of you know we all need to be pushed because i read somewhere we're all innately lazy and um so if we can develop any kind of discipline for ourselves um to force ourselves to uh reach deep inside ourselves. And another thing I want to talk about is the critical um, uh, critic we have in our heads. You know, I know everybody has 
voices in your heads. And I'm not saying you're schizophrenic, but we have voices. And one of the best ways to get great ideas is to quiet that voice, because the closer you get to a great idea, the louder that voice will probably speak. And that voice has value. I think minimal. In my life, I had a critical father and sister, so it was very intense. Um, and putting that aside um, and letting other parts of me come through was a, a painful exercise, but I can do it. And um, it's really valuing um, other parts of yourself that have never maybe been heard or spoken to or were squashed or you squashed or school squashed or you know spouse squashed or whomever, coach squashed. And it's like letting... Um, the, the, the potential out. I mean, all of us could be a Scott Jones, Einstein, whatever. All I know is I see people walking around that look pretty glum, you know, like, and in this day and age, that's okay. But even before that, people don't look happy. Not that people should walk around with a smile, but most people don't look like they're alive. They look like they're a zombie. It's like, come on, you know, be alive. Be in this moment, be present, be here. This is where it's happening. It's not happening in the future. It's not happening in the past, be here. And I'm not an expert in all this, you know, I'm, I'm still learning myself, but I started personal growth in 1984. So I've been at it a lot of years and throwing a lot of different tragedies and other things that have happened. I've learned some of the most difficult times. And I think COVID is a difficult time for everyone. There's great gifts in there. If we look hard enough, if we push hard enough, if we have enough patience and those are not all skills we are innately all good at. Yeah, I love that. So how do you, with the inner critic thing, right? Do you have any strategies on how people can deal with that? Because I think we all have it, right? Maybe it's a fundamental human condition, right? Like, do you have any thoughts on how people can, or exercises on how people can quiet that or transform it? Sure. I'm not, for me, I haven't been able to transform it. The best thing I've done is actually scream at it. Mm -hmm. and, and it's stunned. It's like, yeah. shut the F up really loud. And it's like, there's quiet. Yeah. Cause it's like, it's, it's like, it's like interrupting the pattern and, um, or hitting the steering wheel with, with driving or not driving, but windows closed, yeah. and screaming, you know, um, it's like, you are hurting me. You are being destructive. Stop it yep. and shut up. And, and it will be surprised. It may come back and say, well, I'm trying to help. It's like, you've helped enough. Right. Get out of my way. This isn't about you. You're here for certain things. It's also honoring the critic. So then writing down, if the critic has lots to say, say, okay, critic, go. And write down the 20 um, issues or 50 issues, or 100 problems or fears they have. Because my critic has helped me also. It's not useless. But most of the time when I'm pushing for new ideas or something radically different or innovative that it's not used to having, it's a new habit, it's a new uh, place I'm going inside me, it gets scared because it's never been there before. And it's, it's job on some level is to protect me and make me safe, but it doesn't have um, it doesn't have the pathways of where I need to go. Other things to do with the critic, um, acknowledge it. You know, I think most of us are either not aware of it. I wasn't for years, and um, and also then you know just writing down an honor and thanking it. You know, I thank my critic for a lot of things because it's helped me for making some bad decisions and. Um, so thank you. So it's not just squashing it. It's, it's, for me, it's been putting mine in the role, which is maybe like 2% of the time I need my critic. Most of the time I don't, but there is a percentage of time when it needs to speak up and it will, but it used to be active, you know, 50% of the time. And that's detrimental. Yeah. You know, it's not, um, I'm not, 
know, the critic is, you know, wrong, bad, blah, blah. And usually our critics are really cruel. You know, if we treated anybody the way we treat ourselves, we'd all be, have no friends or family or anybody. So that kind of cruelty, you know, if it was done as a child, um, you could say that's tragic, that's sad, but when you continue doing it to yourself, it's ruining your life. It's limiting you. And it's time for you, for, for me. It's time for me, it was time for me to take control and power from that to say, okay, enough. I'm not giving you much more of my life. You had much more than I wanted you to. Thank you, et cetera, et cetera. And going into new places, being scared, and most of the time coming out with something radically different, like yeah. going from Arthur Anderson to Bank of Boston, et cetera, et cetera. You know? And people say, how did you do that? It's just like, I just knew when I could get into touch with my own wisdom and the critic was out of the way and it was more of a quiet place I could get into my flow and life was easier. And the critic is not part for me. My critic is not part of my flow. Yeah. My critic blocks the flow. <clears throat> yep. I like what you said about thanking the critic and being like grateful for it. It seems counterintuitive, but that's a powerful way to approach it. Yeah. Well, I, I and, and sometimes the critic likes, my critic likes when I write down things and I have a folder for my critic because it wants to be important. Yeah. And, you know, there, it's a part of my ego. And yep. uh, it's for me to manage it. You know, there's the little kid who's part of my ego. Um, there's a higher power or whatever you want to call it. Um, but I have to manage those different parts inside me. And the critic is one. I just know with successful people, um, their critic is not very active. You know, that, that's what I hear a lot. And um, it's an old, like my father who grew up very poor and um, uh, had a lot of um, trauma in his family and was the only one of six kids to graduate from high school and um, never complained, went, went to bed hungry. Um, many times he and his mother and the kids, they would pick up and they moved to another tenement because they didn't have the rent. He never complained. So when I hear myself complain, I'm like, you know, Lynn, get off of it. Like, you know, it, it's not attractive. It doesn't do anything. If I want to complain and there's a purpose for it, like I just want to empty out or vent, you know, I'll say to a friend, or colleague, okay, I just want you, I just want to vent. Can you just listen to me? I don't want advice. Um, or I want some advice and but let them know what I want. And um, what I learned from my dad is just you keep moving ahead. You just you just keep going. You know, it's it's life is about moving forward. It's it's learning from the past, learning from the present, being present, being uh, in the moment. Um, but it's not dragging the past along. It's sort of like you're dragging your past. It's like you know, most people are dragging baggage that's, you know, 20, 30 years old along and they wonder why they don't feel alive and they don't feel like they come up with new ideas and they feel scared. It's like, I'd be scared too if I had all my baggage with me all the time. I mean, it serves no purpose. And there's a choice. You can, you can put it down. And if you, and also if you have something to say to somebody and everybody has a difficult conversation they've not had, my rule of thumb in business is if someone does something to me or if with my clients, something to them, you have three business days to bring it up or you drop it. That's being a professional. Yeah. And if you don't know how to do it, as people said to me, Lynn, you can say anything to anybody and make it sound nice. And that's true because I had a very hard critic. So I learned how to say things nice. So you have my permission to call me, contact me. I will help you say something to somebody. But to sit there and drag that baggage along and not feel more alive and vibrant and wonder why and if everyone in the company is doing that, which pretty much everyone does that, 
start fresh after COVID. You know, it's just have those difficult conversations. Have the chutzpah, have the, have, have the faith in yourself that if you just tell your truth, you'd be authentic. You really care about them. Because see, most of us don't care. I think most of us don't care enough about people. So we BS them because it's much easier to BS them right. than to tell them the truth. You know, if I'm having a problem with, you know, Sally, rather than telling Sally, I avoid Sally. And then Sally starts thinking, Lynn doesn't like me, blah, blah, blah. And then she'll go tell somebody else. So triangulation starts and all this stuff, which is just a waste. You know, and if I could just go to Sally and say, you know, Sally, can I ask you a question? And they'll always say yes. And, you know, when you said blah, 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 did you mean that? Because I heard you say something negative about what I said or did. And 99% of the time they'll go, no, not at all. And, but that's like a paranoia. That's a thought I have based on my observation, but I haven't checked it out with her. And I'm basing my experiences on that. And so half the baggage and the difficult conversations are made up by us. The other half probably have grains of truth, but just, you know, anything anybody wants to tell me, I'm always willing to listen because there's probably a grain of truth. You know, what, what a workshop I was in, they took a, a tissue box and they said, if the feedback is the tissue box, you could throw it to the person and they could grab it and then they could hit themselves on the head and, you know, bad, bad, bad me, bad, bad me. They could let it go by them like, I don't see it, not about me. They could catch it and then bat it back. They could look at it and analyze it forever, huh. you know, or you could look at it and go, huh, feedback. And you pull out a few tissues and then you take, oh, I'll take this one and throw yeah. the rest away and say this grain of truth, I could learn from that. Like it's not, you have to take the whole, whatever it's whole story they're delivering or the whole event. Look, is there something they're saying that's true that I could learn from? Is there something I wasn't seeing? Something I didn't hear? Something I didn't walk in their shoes? Like there's probably something in there. And that's what you're looking for. Maybe two or three pieces. But if you come away with one, you've got a wider vision of more uh, ingredients for your recipes of success. And that's what I think the purpose of life is to learn from each other. So you get feedback. I like 360 degree feedback because we don't know how we're being perceived by people above us, below and at the same yeah. um, area. And it's just like, yeah, tell me your truth. I can handle it. You know, I, I no one's going to crush me. I, I can handle it. I'm not a China doll, you know? And I think most of us can, if you go with the idea of, let me find the grain of truth or the few grains of truth or you know, I couldn't do it any better. How could I, what could I have said that would have worked? Yeah. And then be quiet and let them tell me. And they may say, I don't know. And say, can you get back to me tomorrow? Or can we meet again? Or, you know, because I really like, if that comes up again, I want to handle it better. Like I really do, because I care about you. It's much easier for me not to care about the person. But when I go to someone and give them feedback, I'm saying, I care about you. I care about our relationship. I really care. And that's why I tell people the truth. Yeah. Not because it's easy, it's harder. But you know what? I don't want to live an inauthentic life. I don't want to have these fake faces on or fake smiles or, you know, and, and that's my judgment. And if people don't like it, that's okay. But yeah. I don't see most people being really authentic and genuine and as transparent. You don't have to be 100%, but much more than they can be. And you have these plastic faces on and people are depressed or angry or unhappy or numbed or whatever. And all that's part of being a human being. It's just, oh. yeah, we always have feelings, we always have emotions, just feel them and let them go through. If not, talk about them, work on them, do something or just be with it. And my experience is they all move at some point. 
but everybody needs to find their own um, ways of um, of dealing with quote unquote negative feelings. Yeah, very cool. So as, as we wind it down, what's a, what's a good book or a resource you think people can check out that you found useful? Oh gosh. Um, um, I would say, well, there's a great book for teens, which is, um, um, what's the, oh gosh, I'm embarrassed here. Five, um, uh, Patrick Lenicon, um, uh, team management or the five, um, well, I'm, I'm messing up with it. Sorry, that is great to go through your team and go through those steps, the five dysfunctions of a of a, of a team. Let me check. Let me Google it. Five okay. dysfunctions of a team or something like that. Patrick, something. something like that. Um, yeah, it says the five five dysfunctions of a team. Right. That's an awesome book. Any book by Patrick is 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 terrific. He talks about CEOs, and yeah. he he tells stories. They go through read really quickly. Those I find start opening up people's minds. Um, yeah. And um, you know what? What I will do is I will send um, to you, and uh, you can put up with along with this, uh, if possible, you know, three or four other books. But yeah, I, I'd, have, I'd have to think on that um, off the top of my head. That'd be wonderful for sure. This one looks great. The five dysfunctions of a team. And then I like the uh, little subtitle. It said, uh, it disappeared now. Oh, a leadership fable. That's great. Yeah. Yep. His name is Patrick. Uh, Patrick, uh, where'd it go now? Patrick. Yep. Yeah. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but yeah, we're both right. <laughs> we're both approximately right. <laughs> so, um, wonderful. Thank you so much. Do you have any, any parting thoughts? Oh, and by the way, before I even ask you that, how can people reach you, connect with you if they want to reach out? Get, sure. You or Absolutely. get support. Um, yeah, you can reach me at um, Lynn Thomas, all one word, L-Y-N-N and Thomas, at <laughs> Thomas Consulting. And yep. the end of consulting is wins, W-I-N-S, dot com. And a client gave that to me because he said, um, I always win with Thomas Consulting. So that's where the wins came from. And um, um, so email with that. And then um, LinkedIn, if you want to reach out, you could do it that way. And then just a phone number. I'm fine with that. Um, 781-899-4210. I'm in, the, um, in Massachusetts, so Eastern time. Yeah. And I, I really mean it. If you have a question and you want to run something by me, bounce something off me, I'd be absolutely honored and delighted. Yeah. So cool. What a cool world we live in, right? Just sharing all our digital information so we can all support each other. Very cool. Absolutely. Any parting thoughts you want to share with people before we close it down? Um, um, look at um, COVID as a hidden gift to you and your company. And see if you can start seeing some of the possible gifts mm. that it has brought all of us. Because I think it stopped a lot of us and has made us be much more introspective, et cetera. But if you start looking at COVID as, a, as opposed to, oh my gosh, it's like, how is this a gift? What can I learn from it? What can our people learn from it? Um, and that's deeper inside. Yeah. You, you'll come up with some, um, I think some, some, some pearls of wisdom in there that can maybe stop, start um, your path forward. That's great. Thank you so much, Lynn. I appreciate your time. I learned a lot as well. My pleasure. Have a great day. Thank you.